The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House of Team Reba. I am Reba Hass of Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side, And I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank. And we have... A fantastic guest today. Yes, we super excited talking taxes today. Yeah, normally nothing gets me a, more excited than taxes. <laughs> it always gets me excited, but <laughs> normally that can be kind of a boring topic. But I don't think so these days because no. we have all new tax law the first time uh-huh. in over twenty years. We yep. have uh, a economy that is has taken that information mm-hmm. and run with it. The stock market. We have lots of folks trying to make mm-hmm. financial decisions based on the new rules. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of talk, a lot to talk yeah, about. Yeah, there's today. a lot of running going on. There sometimes is, it's running in circles. Sometimes it's running away. Sometimes you never know. But That's right. uh, yeah, no, we've got a great guest today. So listeners, we've got Rick Mangan of Mangan Wealth Management with us. So we're going to be getting to him shortly. But in the meantime, there's some other running going on. Yeah, we have a lot going on, and yeah. actually, uh, today mm-hmm. we we sort of our, our show. We've had an ongoing dialogue about. Yes. Uh, landlords in the uh-huh. city of Seattle and, and their essential war against landlords. Yes. The, the, the whole intent of that, that war, that's what I call it at least, is a war. Mm-hmm. The whole intent of it is, is a concern about the fact that we're losing affordable housing. Yep. And, uh, and so the city has is, is taken steps to make it really very, very difficult uh, on, on landlords. They've, they've mm-hmm. enacted the first-come... You know, first yep. in uh, rule, if you uh, you must rent to the very first qualified person who applies as a landlord, yeah. you don't have a choice. Even if they're the a big old jerk. Even if they're just nasty to you or whatever. Uh, they have the six-month rent-free rule. You can collect mm-hmm. a deposit, but you have to spread that deposit out over six well, months. Well, it's not really rent-free, but well, it's, it's a free loan. Interest-free. It's an interest-free loan. Interest yeah. free. Uh, there, there is a, a proposal that's out there to force landlords to provide their income and expense information to tenants. Yeah, that one irritates the bejesus out of me. Well, <clears throat> see, the, the, the thing about all these, the, the, the underlying social purpose of it is to keep rents uh, affordable, you know, maybe sort of shame landlords into keeping their rents lower. The unintended consequence of it is there's, uh, you know, a, a per- large percentage of our, our rental properties in the city are owned just by mom and pop things. The average person owns fewer than four rental properties. Well, and many of those people are retired and they have to have yeah. that as income. So if somebody's like, I'm sorry, you can't have this profit. It's like telling somebody, I'm right. sorry, mm-hmm. you now can't have money to live on and therefore you need to be that's in a right. situation that's going to become dire. That's right. That's ridiculous. That's right. And so a lot of a lot of landlords are saying, forget it. I'm, yeah. I'm and the landlords take the risk on. There's right. plenty of tenants who do not treat your very expensive asset in a nice way. That's right. That's absolutely right. So today, down in 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 Olympia, the House Judiciary Committee is uh, is uh, hearing a rent control bill. So basically, this is a bill that removes the restriction on rent control. Right now, it's unconstitutional to have rent control laws on the books. They're they're oh, they're no. meeting to remove that, uh, you know, from from the the books. So if that happens, guess what? 
you know, first first city to go will be Seattle. You think? Many others to follow uh, that rent control will be enacted. Now, Reba, can yes. you name one city in the United States where rent control works? No, but I know plenty of places where it is. Correct. Like San Francisco. San Francisco New is York. a perfect example. You can talk to economist mm-hmm. after economist. Yep, and doesn't I, work. I know the, the purpose of rent control is to make homes more affordable, rental more affordable. Mm-hmm. The reality is it does just the opposite. Oh, yeah, because, absolutely. Because the number of new rental properties coming on the market get locked up. Nobody else is going to be bringing them on the market. So now you have a shortage of housing. What happens when there's a shortage of housing? Prices go up. Funny about that. It's isn't strange it? how yeah. that supply so, and demand thing happens. Or, or, or you get the the situation where if you want to be a prospective tenant, you mm-hmm. must submit a resume, mm-hmm. letters of recommendation. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, fifty yard line tickets to the Seahawks or whatever no. it is it's going to take uh, to persuade that mm-hmm. landlord to rent to you. Because honestly, if they can collect, if if they're going to get the same amount of rent no matter who they rent to. Mm-hmm. They're going to be extremely picky oh, yeah. and choosy yes, about who they, they rent to, right? Otherwise, there's, Yeah, there's... but if they're going to do that and we have the first in time, they aren't going to be able to do that either. Right. So unless, are... they do, unless they make that not apply <laughs> to that. Oh, but, I mean, who knows? It's... Who knows? So, so what will happen is, again, the landlords will say, you know, this is just too much. I'm out. I'm going to take my profits. Home values are up. I'm going they're to sell my home. They're already doing it. I've been saying for months. We've been seeing more and more of the small multifamily properties are selling. I looked at one just, you know, today for somebody and I, I'm not sending it to some of my investor clients because three properties that came on the market today in Seattle, there was a triplex and two fourplexes. And guess what the rent amounts were on all of them? Yeah. Sub eleven hundred dollars. Yeah. And they were all selling for seven fifty, eight fifty, and one point two five million. Right. On right. each of the properties. Every single one of them had below market rents. Because guess what? Right now, the typical mm-hmm. on market, you know, market rent is about $2 a square. These are at $1 a square. They were like 900 square foot units that were at like $950, $850, $1025, $1, you know, things like that. And there's no way a purchaser of those properties will be able to maintain those rents. So what yeah. do they do? do they just they just, screw they just those give tenants. up. They just say, yeah, that's right. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be asking our, our esteemed CPA here, Rick Mangan, about this question a little bit earlier t- or later in the show uh, because uh, there is a new change to the tax law, especially for self-employed person with pass-through income like an LLC or an S-corp. Uh, how that's affecting or or could affect uh, the uh, the income situation for a landlord because for the first time in in several years in Seattle I think believe last month we saw a decrease in the cost of rent so it's actually well yeah because we also bit. have a tremendous number of uh, luxury new units coming yeah on. coming right, on right. lots so, and lots of them so is now the best time to be talking about rent control. Not really. Mm. Well, I don't Although know if any time is really the best time. A lot of those are brand new construction ones, and there are different price points, too. So, you mm-hmm. know, who knows? Right. Who knows? Right. Because most of the people who are trying to rent those aren't usually going for some of these. I mean, I'll be real frank. Some Entry of these ones coming homes. on. Yeah, yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. great title for them. Yeah. Entry level. Yeah, yeah. Well, some of them are not necessarily well kept. In fact, actually, I'll be real frank. We're putting a place on market right now. It's a, a triplex up in Lake City Way area. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of deferred maintenance. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is the... The owner is in a situation where he can't do the work himself 
Yeah. And so somebody's going to have to be willing to pay this high price for below market rents on a building. Now, the good part about it, though, is it has some redevelopment opportunities. Mm-hmm. And some of those could be pretty fantastic. Sure. But, sure. I mean, it's just it's it's really frustrating what's going on. But we're, we're getting wrapped well, up on that before we get a chance to talk about what we normally do in first segment. Are we going to cover rates? Sure. Because I also have some market data about, like, what the end of 2017 looked like. Absolutely, and, 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 and we'll keep you posted on this whole um, this whole rent control thing. Uh, so, uh, and, and kind of all around our central theme of the yep. tax reform. We need to get Sean uh, back on air. Uh, right there, you go with uh, with tax reform. Uh, you know, taking place first of the month. Uh, interest rates are following the stock market, and interest rates will follow the forecast for increased economic activity, and all of that is up right now uh, with mm-hmm. the passage of the tax plan. So we've seen, you know, the Dow is on fire, and um, and the prospects of increased um, economic activity mm-hmm. are, are 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 definitely strong. Unemployment is at one of its lowest levels that we've seen in many many years. Yep. All of those f- positive factors are negative to the bond market, which drives mortgage rates. So we are seeing some upward pressure on interest rates. We got a little bit of relief today. There was a, a very good bond auction, which kind of helped us a little bit. However, um, rates in general are up probably about a quarter of a percent from a month ago. So today, uh, the national average for a conventional conforming 30-year fixed rate loan is hovering right around 4.25%. Still not bad, uh, but, mm-hmm. but we're, we're yeah. up over the 4% mark. Yep. 15-year fixed rates are down around 3.61% national okay. average. FHA, 30-year fixed rates, and VA, 30-year fixed rates right around 4%. And uh, and uh, jumbo 30-year fixed rates are hovering, same thing, probably right around 4.25%. So everything is, for the 30-year loans, is up a little bit over that 4% mark. And uh, and we'll, we'll kind of have to keep a close eye on where rates are at, you know, where they, where they go here. But uh, the trend right now is they're going to stay probably somewhere in that range. I don't really see them going down um, any anytime no, soon significantly. I don't, I don't see that happening either. Yep. Okay. Well, so other things also are not going down <coughs> other than the inventory <laughs> of housing. Um, so they just finally came out with the 2017 Statistical Review and Highlights Report at the Northwest Multiple. So, oh, pardon me here. <coughs> so closed sales. I might need you to do this, Eric. I'll sure. <laughs> no problem. Don't cry, Reba. It's Okay. <laughs> So, closed sales in the Northwest multiple listing um, are reported 99,345 closed sales, valued at more than $46.5 billion in in our local uh, multiple listing. Um, In 2017, the median price for closed sales of single-family homes and condos system-wide was $370,000. So now that's statewide. You know, if we look at our local areas, it's it's going to be significantly higher. Um, the median price ranged everywhere from Ferry County. Rick, you know where Ferry County is? I, I do not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you got you to gotta head east, head over the mountains there a little bit, I believe. But um, median price in Ferry County, if anybody's looking for a bargain, 133000 Median price in King County, 562000 we have such a dramatic variety of, of you know, prices, uh, you know, disparity almost of prices in our in our local market. 
So months of supply are one of the things that everybody is looking at very, very closely. Um, inventory of housing is measured by the months of supply as well as sort of the level of a, of a balanced market all year. Um, we have all year long uh, had been averaging less than one month of supply you know, for, for homes available, and that trend is still continuing. So uh, shortage of housing, it's, it's continuing to push prices up. New construction, newly built homes um, uh, in 2017 accounted for 19% of all new homes built. So a lot of new construction out there. The median house price for new construction single-family homes, 475000 For condos, ironically, it was $553,000, uh, which is uh, mostly, um, you know, a, a result of the Seattle area. Uh, some condos in Seattle are fetching more than $1.2 million. So lots of changes on the real estate market. Still hot. When we come back, Rick Mangan from Mangan Wealth Management. We're going to be talking about the new tax law. Stay tuned and call us. you questions, 866-712-1300. If you'd like to call into the show, now's your chance. It's 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Ostinus from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. And I'm Reba Hass from Team Reba, trying not to go into another coughing fit. But <laughs> well, my apologies, listeners, if I have to step out again. Gonna, dealing, with, dealing with allergy issues. That's all right. I've, I've never seen for it. quite the color purple uh, as I I know. I think I masked my lipstick. Segment. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a sight it was to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A beautiful, beautiful <laughs> sight, I'm sure. That's yes. right. That's right. Well, we're really happy today to have Rick Mangan with us of Mangan Wealth Management. It's going to be uh, Rick, um, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, my, my name is Rick Mangan, and I, uh, I'm the principal at Mangan Wealth Management. Uh, we have a uh, – our office is located up in the Northgate area, and we help our, our wealth management clients. Uh, cover their wealth management needs, which includes uh, managing their investments, uh, taking care of their taxes, determining whether they need insurance, and helping in the estate planning docs, at least in suggesting what is needed. We don't write those docs ourselves. Right. Got it. And you are a CPA. I'm a, a CPA. I'm a CFP. I'm a PFS. Um, so I have a few few different letters after You're the, an alphabet soup. You got Excellent. it. Just like a lot of real estate agents where they have lots of designations. But yours yours uh, carry a lot more weight, I believe. That's right. Good, good, good. Well, today we're going to be pulling on that CPA CPA hat. So so put that one on. <clears throat> yes. And, uh, you know, we're, we're very curious about uh, the tax bill that was passed and uh, went into law in January. Uh, it's having a significant impact on the market, as we kind of talked about in the last segment. Uh, so what are you seeing as, as um, I, well, I guess first maybe could we do a real quick rundown of some of the, the key changes, you know, in the new bill compared to the old one? Of course, our brackets are, are, are different. Are you going to let him answer that or are you going to answer it? <laughs> he looked confused there for a sec, so I'm just making sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a few of the changes. You know, the the, the big driving force of the, the whole act was probably the drop in the corporate tax rate. Right. And so, you know, that from that, once they decided they were going to drop that, there were some other things that had to happen to kind of level the playing field between corporations and some of the pass-through entities. So there's a new there's a new 20% pass-through deduction available for some businesses. Um, the mortgage interest uh, deduction has changed. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's been tweaked and reduced well it's been reduced uh, yeah um 
you know, there's a differences in standard deduction, itemized deduction, uh, the real estate taxes, and just taxes that you could deduct at the personal level in general has really changed. Uh, there's now a new limit overall for those that um, really, you, know, you could say it targets Seattle, but it targets a lot of the coastal cities right. uh, with that deduction. Um, you know, there's some other changes uh, involving gift gift taxes, um, as well as some some depreciation items on you know, some some Schedule E items, some rental rental investment items. So many of those are all topics that our listeners are probably going to be quite interested in. I would imagine right? so. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason For we sure. asked you to come on, because I know as soon as the tax package changed, I'm going to, you know, um, to, in all transparency to our listeners, uh, Rick is my personal wealth mm-hmm. planner. So that's partly how we know each other. And we've known each other for 15 years because I've kind of followed part of your career from when you were at, uh, what, Foster and Company. And then you went elsewhere when you were doing uh, wealth management. And then you started your own firm and started doing all of it. And so I've just been kind of your little albatross following (laughs) you around (laughs) for 15 years. I've known you just as long as this other guy goofing around on the other side of the table here. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So, so Rick, uh, let's, let's, I guess let's start with, um, the, the homeowner. Yeah. And let's say that, um, I'm a, a, either a single person or a married person, you know, filing jointly. And, uh, I own a, I have a mortgage, I have mortgage interest expense, I have property taxes. So how's it going to look differently when I file my taxes for 2018 compared to 2017? Yeah. So the first thing is, is you know, in twenty in twenty seventeen, you may itemize, and in twenty eighteen, you may just take the standard deduction. Um, assuming okay. assuming that you are going to itemize in both years, um, a couple of differences would be in the amount of taxes that are being able you're able to deduct. Uh, currently, in two thousand well, in two thousand seventeen, you can deduct all your property taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, those state of Washington residents that don't pay income tax to any other states, they're going to pay, they get the sales tax deduction mm-hmm. um, and some other small tax deductions usually associated with your automobile. Okay. Um, so in 2017, there's no limit on that. Uh, in 2018, all of those combined, your sales tax, your income tax, well, your sales tax or income tax plus your property tax, all are capped at $10,000. So anything, any amount above that, you just simply don't get a deduction for that. Uh, the mortgage interest is going to change uh, a little bit as well. Now, they did grandfather in, so there's, well, let me back up. So in 2017 and prior, uh, there was a $1 million limit on the mortgage interest, that, on the debt that you're allowed to deduct your mm-hmm. mortgage interest on. Right. Um, in addition to that, there was another 100000 that was available for line of credits. Mm-hmm. And so that would often get shorthanded into, well, you have a $1.1 million debt limit that you can deduct the interest on. Deduct the interest on. Deduct the right. interest on. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forwarding to 2018, that is, that is changing. Now, they are grandfathering in, if you had a loan prior to December of 17, they're grandfathering in that $1 million limit. Mm-hmm. That $100,000 line of credit, uh, add-on is gone. Mm-hmm. So if you have nothing, if you don't do any refinance and you have the same loan that you had, you know, your limits basically drop from 1.1 to 1. To a million. To right. a million. Okay. Even. Yep. Now, for new, for new loans and any new uh, entered starting in the middle of December 2017, now that limit has dropped to $750,000. Right. And the 750000 is for 
acquisition debt, correct? Yes, acquisition indebtedness. Okay, meaning that you you can really only deduct the interest for uh, debt that was used to purchase a home or to substantially improve the home. Is that I just make sure I understand the the rules. Yes, no, that is correct. And okay. so that actually, you know, the line of credit has, um, you know, there's the, the primary mortgage, and you know, as long as it's acquisition indebtedness, you're you're fine. Um, the line of credit has created some controversy or some debate amongst the CPA world in that, um, you know, now you get to is it is it acquisition indebtedness? Is it home equity indebtedness? In other words, you took a home equity line of credit and you paid off some other debts or went on it's, vacation or, or this yeah, or that. Whatever, yeah. whatever you did. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that home equity indebtedness, that's, that just is not deductible. Now, if Got you have it. a line of credit, there, there is acquisition indebtedness. You took the line, you made a big improvement. That's where the debate is. I fall on the side, and, and the more I read, you know, that would be deductible as well. So you I know, have a quick question. You still have that $750,000 limit. Yeah. Because I did a line of credit to buy my boat slip. Yeah. What would that do? Because uh, I did acquire something else that is well, real estate because it's considered a condo. That was that was before 2018. Yes. So it's it's it would still it's home equity. It's it's uh yeah, I think that would be the home equity indebtedness. I don't think that would qualify as the okay. as if, the acquisition indebtedness. Well, could there. we count okay. could we call a boathouse a second home? Uh can you sleep there? Yes. You probably put a cot on the dock or something. Well, no, the boat. The boat's in the, the slip. Boat, the boat, the and boat is, itself. Is, and has a, it has the head, bed, and bread. In the boat itself. Yeah. yeah. But not the boat house. No. But did you buy a boat house or a boat slip? Boat slip. Yeah. I, off okay. the top of my head, I would say no, but, you know, there's all, right. all sorts of uh, literature out there. It just brought to mind. <laughs> just came to mind. Okay. All right. So um, one of the things is with that 750 cap, Aren't people who already had a million um, grandfathered in, though, going forward? They are grandfathered in so long as the loan originated prior to December okay. of, of 2017. Okay. So December anyone who was buying 15th, December 15th December is what 15th. you were saying last mm -hmm. week, right? Yeah, okay. that's right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay, good. All right. Now, uh, so let's say, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm filing. I have mortgage interest. I, you, so my combination of property tax, sales tax, Excise tax, like car tabs, things like that, cannot exceed $10,000 under the new rules. My mortgage debt uh, can, can only be deducted up to the first $750,000 in debt. So if I owe $850,000, I'm going to just do some math on that. I can still deduct $750,000 of that interest expense, or how does that work? Well, it would all depend on when that loan was originated. Let, let's say it was originated this year in 2018. Yeah, so it w you would be limited to the seven hundred fifty thousand dollars of debt. So, okay. uh, at the end of the year, you would do the math on seven fifty over what the over total whatever it is. Got it. Total okay. is, and you'd get that. And I could deduct that amount. Your, okay. Exactly. Now, so, and 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 the the new standard deduction is it's is it for an individual? It's twelve thousand. Yeah, for a, a individual, it's twelve thousand. Claiming single, head of household, it's 18, and married folks is 24. Okay. 000. So if my itemized deductions are less than that? Then you get the standard deduction. I take you know, the 24, or I take whatever it is. You no longer file Schedule A. <laughs> and that's the, what wow. we're, so I just fill out the, 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 what was the sales pitch, but, you know, fire your taxes on a postcard. Yeah, that's 
probably not true, but a very large postcard with many pages in it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, got it. Okay, so so really, I only have to itemize if my if my itemized deductions exceed that that standard deduction. If it's twelve thousand for an individual, eighteen for a single head of household, or twenty four for twenty four thousand for a married couple. Yes, that yeah. really is going to simplify things for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a, a bit of basic math on on that, and I was sort of looking at a if if you buy a home for roughly about four hundred and thirty thousand dollars or so, based on current interest rates, um, including property taxes, you're just about at that twenty four thousand dollar you know threshold. So if somebody's buying a home for less than that, odds, odds are they can just take the standard deduction. If they're over that, well, then maybe maybe they'll still look at itemizing. Yeah, and there is, you know, somebody who's charitably inclined will have some additional. Oh, sure, sure, for charitable that as contributions. Well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's your as uh, Rick Mangan as a CPA? What's your rule on a charitable contribution? If I drop off a truckload at uh, Value Village or something like that. Well, there, you know, you have to you value it at fair market value, and okay. so there's there's limitations. Um, you know, it can be if you feel that your stuff is worth more than five thousand dollars, you have to go get an appraisal. So I'm not sure if you're Got familiar it. with any okay. Goodwill appraisers, but uh, <laughs> not off the top of my head. But I've always kind of figured about seventy five bucks a bag. You know, something like that is. You yeah, know, I probably undervalue like all the time because I'm always thinking about what they're going to be able to sell it for. Versus what it might truly have been in terms of value, because <clears throat> I know just like a pair of shoes that I might give probably cost me seventy five to one hundred fifty bucks or something like that. But if they've been out there for a while, it's like okay, three dollars. You know, right? <laughs> it, it is the thrift sh- thrift shop value. Right. So, right well, yeah. We, okay. There you go. You oh, good. That. When we come back, we're going to navigate the sort of the labyrinth of the pass through uh, entity change to the tax laws. Oh, so boy. stay tuned. Listen in. Call us if you've got questions, 866-712-1300. More at KKOL Business Radio. Got a question? Call it in. 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba, REMAX Metro East Side. And I'm Eric Ostinus from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage, where every Tuesday at 3 o'clock we bring you information on real estate and finance. Yes, and we have in the studio with us Rick Mangan of Mangan Wealth Management. Thanks again for being here. Absolutely. And we're Thanks talking, for having me. Yeah, we're having the exciting talk about taxes. Hot tax talk today. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hot tax talk. Dead yeah. sexy. <laughs> Just like when we talked about mortgage, mortgage yeah, insurance. that's right. That's right. Dead sexy. That's right. Yeah. You know, deduct it, this. <laughs> Hashtag deduct this. There you right? go. I love it. I'm going to put that on Twitter. I <laughs> love it. But um, so we already covered stuff about interest deduction. We talked about standard and personal deductions and an effect on itemizing. And you were asking at the end of the last segment, Eric, about. Um, the twenty percent business pass through. Business pass through, which um, translate that into English for us, Rick. Yeah. Basically, there's going to be a deduction uh, that could be up to twenty percent of the business income that passes through to you, and the pass through income would could come from S corporations, LLC, sole proprietors, or the primary sources of that. Okay, so okay. I have a small business. It's a sole proprietor, a LLC, and S corp. I make money, and when I file my 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 business income, it, it passes through to my personal income tax return because I'm mm-hmm. on those types of businesses. I'm taxed at the personal 
personal rate. So that passer, you're saying, I, I, there may be a 20% discount in the reportable income that I, that I have to pay taxes on. Yes, yes, that's correct. And so, so is that like really awesome for me? Because I'm an S-corp. It could be, yeah. It could be. I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll talk we'll, about it. We'll get into that. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically the pass-through and this 20% deduction was really more of an afterthought in this tax bill. Uh, again, the primary focus was getting that C-corp uh, tax rate down, and they dropped mm-hmm. that from 35 to 21%, which yeah, is, is huge a drop. 40% mm-hmm. drop, huge, right? Um, and so as they, as they looked at that, they decided, well, you know, if we're going to drop the C-corp rates, we have to do something for the pass-throughs. Wouldn't be fair for all those other businesses. Right. Well, yeah. And, and historically, there's been, uh, you know, the C-corp has a, a two levels of, of taxation. And so the pass-throughs typically at the, at the top rates give about a 10% uh, lower tax rate mm-hmm. than having it flow through the C-corp and then have the dividends mm-hmm. sure. be taxed at the second level. And so if they hadn't done this, it would have been very, the C-Corp and the pastors would have been much, much closer. And so this 20% actually expands with that difference is back up close to that 10%. Okay, otherwise we would have seen a flood of people converting their businesses to C-Corps. Totally, right. yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. Um, so they didn't want to induce that much chaos uh, right. at one time. But uh, so, so this pass-through came through. And so, um, you know, First off, this is still in its infancy, right? They just created it. The, the regulations haven't been issued yet. The people who voted on it don't understand it. The people who wrote it don't understand <laughs> it. And so, so business as usual is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, basically I'll, I'll get started on kind of how it goes, I guess. And, and the deduction is limited to uh, 20% of your qualified business income. And so where you, you start is really, though, at your taxable income level. And so there's a, there's a threshold there. And so if you're married, that threshold is $315,000. Uh, if you're single, it's $157,500. And so if your taxable income is below that threshold, then you are going to get that 20% of your qualified business income deduction. And so that would be for, for all pass-throughs, whether you're in the professional services industry or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be, that, you know, that's the, kind of the first test. If you're below that level, then you're going to get that deduction, and it's going to be uh, calculated pretty much on your, what your taxable income is from that business. Okay, got it. Can you give an example of that? Uh, well, let's say, let's say, Eric, that you have a, an S-corporation and, and you draw – a, and you're married, mm-hmm. and you draw a salary of eighty thousand. You have a pass-through income maybe of one hundred and twenty thousand, and your spouse does not work. So okay. your total your total personal income comes in at two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and so one hundred and twenty thousand of that was uh, the pass-through the pass-through from my business, from my LLC or whatever. Okay, to that, and so you know twenty percent of that twenty four thousand dollars. Sweet. That's your deduction. Okay. So that's your extra deduction you get from this, this okay. tax act. Very straightforward. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm kind of digging that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I'm, I'm sure there's more because I'm, I'm looking <clears throat> at um, uh, you have a, a graph on your desk there, which looks like sort of a Rube 
Goldberg machine or something, you know, so it looks a little bit complicated. So, yeah, yeah lead us on here. There's there's a flow chart here to try to help understand this thing because uh, just reading the Is that verbiage. like a Venn diagram or something? Yeah. Like if this, then that? and Exactly. <laughs> okay. That's exactly what it is. That's why, that's why I said if you're below the threshold, that's the easy part. Let's start uh, there and okay. knock that out. There you the go. <laughs> so, um, you know, the next thing is, let's say you're, you're – Income is not below the threshold. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, the next question would be, is your business a specified service business? And so what they did is they targeted really, you know, attorneys, um, doctors, and really any trade that involves uh, health, law, uh, accounting, actuarial. Uh, Real estate. Performing arts, financial services. Brokerage services, real estate, as far as I see it, my interpretation is no right now that that wouldn't qualify. But Oh, really? I, I, you know, financial services, I, I don't think real estate sales would fall under financial services. It depends on who you're talking to because sometimes mm-hmm. they do categorize this and that and sometimes they don't. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there is, it's, uh, you know, there is the, there's the kind of the catch-all, the principal asset of the business is the reputation or skill or one or more of its employees. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be the catch-all there. But, um, you know, as far as I read it, that wasn't a targeted group. Right. And one thing they specifically uh, carved out as having it not apply to is engineering and architecture, So, mm-hmm. which I found interesting. That's certainly a service uh, by most definitions. But, uh, you know, basically I think it came down to, will they help build stuff? And so uh, they wanted to target target people that are building stuff here. Okay. Right? Interesting. Uh, in kind of makes sense. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Um, so let's say that you are, you know, if you are a, um, if you are a specified service, then you're going to have, you're going to be subject to a phase out. Of the okay. deductions, so, like a lot of things, like a right. lot of things, and so if you're if you're married, that phases out over a hundred thousand from three three fifteen to four fifteen. Uh, singles that would phase out. Uh, there's a phase out range of fifty thousand, which would phase out between one fifty seven thousand five hundred and then two hundred seven thousand five hundred, uh, where basically, and it's pretty much a straight line phase out. So uh, you get it would it would just be reduced all the way down. Um, until you exceed that, until you exceed that uh, deductible limit, um, so that's okay. how that's how that works. Um, if if you are not a specified service, uh, then then what happens is there's this wage capital factor that comes in. Wage oh, capital uh, okay, factor. What is that? that? Okay. <laughs> so you basically are. The deduction is limited to the lesser of 20% of your qualified business income um, or the greater of 50% of your W-2 wages. And then there's a caveat for kind of the real estate uh, investments, which is 25% of W-2 wages plus 2.5% of the unadjusted basis of an LLC's assets. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Yeah. right. I know. My head's swimming right now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't okay. know how much you really could cover on the air on that, but yeah, right, right. okay. Well, I'm pretty glad you're willing to be here. in that nerd world because. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Wow. So the you know the 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 reason that last one was in the the two and a half percent of the unadjusted basis is because a lot of the a lot of the real estate investments don't have employees necessarily. You'll right. Have, right. You'll have yeah. a property manager. Mm-hmm. You know, they handle kind of that, but you don't have direct employees. And right. So if we were going to limit it. Uh, 
to the wage factor, then it's going to be at zero. I right. see. Right. I see what you're saying. And so now okay. you get that two and a half percent of of the unadjusted basis okay. uh, as the deduction. So if we were to say, you know, you bought a million dollar, you had a million dollar property, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was your that was your basis. Um, you know, two and a half percent of that is twenty five thousand dollars. And mm-hmm. so where you didn't have any wages, you would have had a zero deduction. Now you get a uh, potentially a $25,000 deduction under that test. And then you would I see. take it against your other, do you have the qualified business income that would also support a $25,000 deduction or not? Okay, interesting. All right, so... It sounds like my taxes are going to get seriously complicated. A complicated there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Really right. complicated between okay. a business and multiple rental properties mm-hmm. and all of the... Oh, man. Good so what gosh. if I just have uh, rental property? Yeah, okay, just sort of, so now let's put, put your... Your your financial planner hat on top of your CPA hat, mm-hmm. and uh, and I am buying an investment property. It's my first rental, and I'm trying to decide: do I set up an LLC to run my rental, or do I just keep that a, a, on the individual side? On the individual side, I'm going to put it on my Schedule E on my tax return. Uh, but if I set up an LLC, then that becomes a pass through business. So let's say I make more than 200000 a year, and uh, what would be the best way to structure that? Should I still do the LLC? Yeah, you're, you know, very likely you're going to want to do the LLC, you know, okay. and a lot of that has to do with legal reasons. Oh, know? sure. I mean, that, that aside, from a liability perspective, that's always a good idea. Um, sure, absolutely. From a mortgage side, though, guys, uh, the, the loan itself, if you're taking mm-hmm. out a residential mortgage, one to four unit property uh, does need to be in your name as an individual with most, most cases, most, most lenders. Uh, however, you can still set up an LLC and interact with your with your tenant that way. But, uh, okay, so, but if, if I have rental income in an LLC, that 20% pass-through is still a well, possibility? It, it is. Well, the LLC, if you're the single owner, mm-hmm. it's going to be a, distri- that entity will be disregarded anyway, so it'll be okay. reported the same way. Right. Okay. Um, there is... You know that that would still be a possibility to get that deduction. Get that deduction, and so okay. you know a lot of rentals have very little, very little uh, income after mm-hmm. you get the mortgage interest deduction, you get the depreciation, and right. all of that. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right. So it'll be probably targeted more towards rentals that either was heavily invested in cash with little debt financing, mm-hmm. or rentals that have been around for a long time. Fully depreciated. That's that sort of a thing. Right. So okay. All right, and then that's going to be actually time to talk about something I want to uh, ask you about when we come back from our break, and that's going to be uh, some of the other provisions if they state or not, including a 1031 tax-deferred exchange. Yes. So uh, stay tuned. We've got more information coming with Rick Mangan from Mangan Wealth Management talking about the new tax laws. Call us if you got questions, 866-712-1300. Open House has open phone lines. Give us a call at 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank. And I'm Reba Hass from Team Reba. And we still have here in the studio with us Rick Mangan of Mangan Wealth Management. In case anybody wants to uh, touch base with you after this, Rick, I know I know you only accept clients if they're doing both wealth management and CPA services, but 
would you share your information with our listeners so in case somebody wants to reach out afterward? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Our, uh, our business phone number is 206-441-1980. And you can reach me at uh, my email, which is rick at manganwm.com. Uh, Mangan is M-A-N-G-A-N. Excellent. Well, thank you for that. So, uh, Eric, you had uh, a question as we got to the end of the last segment about 1031 exchanges. Right. Well, talking about investment property, so some of our, our Seattle landlords are going to be thinking about yes. selling their properties. <laughs> yes, they're, as we they're working about their, their leverage right segment. now. Yep. And uh, anytime you sell a, an investment <laughs> property, at least in the past, uh, if you purchase another investment property, you can most likely take advantage of the 1031 tax-deferred exchange-like kind program and avoid paying capital gains on on uh, the sale of that property as long as you follow all the rules and uh, purchase another investment property. So did that 1031 rule survive the new tax law? Uh, the one that you mentioned is pretty much intact. There are tweaks to the 1031 okay. uh, that, that are really not designed for real estate. Um, you know, some of the business yeah. owners uh, would be able to 1031 you know, airplanes, heavy mm-hmm. equipment, trucks, sure, um, mm-hmm. uh, cows and steers, but they could not be 1031 for each other. Um, I did not uh, know you could do that before. No, um, cows for, for planes. Well, no, thing. I knew you couldn't do that, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> I didn't know that just livestock for livestock. That's int- But I, I get it. That's a business. Okay. It is, yeah. Interesting. So, so yeah, the one little tidbit, you know, yeah. not... not here in Seattle, probably does that come up too often? But, but Eastern Washington, yeah. I bet it does. Absolutely, <laughs> oh, sure. yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, a lot of those are out, but the real the real estate uh, is still is still alive and well. So the okay. 31 still still works there. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Well, with all these Good. people who are selling their property in the city of Seattle, <laughs> make sure to point that out to them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I mean, some people are actually taking a look at whether or not they just want to cash it out and just say, "I'll I'll deal with my." long-term capital gains. It just depends on what they're getting out of it, right? Some folks, you know, like the, the guy that I'm going to be putting his property on this week, he's he's not doing an exchange. Like for him, he's like, I, you know, I'm in this situation. I'm just retiring. I just want that money available to me. Put it somewhere else. Put it safe. And then we've got other people who, frankly, there's a lot of folks that are selling their Seattle properties and they're going places like Spokane. And so they just want to make sure and do that exchange and they can save a lot of that tax money and insert it into a new property. And especially when you're buying in a cheaper marketplace, that that makes a a big difference on what your purchasing power can be in a big way. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in that example, you're probably going to cash out some possibly. And so you would just pay tax on whatever you receive and whatever you cash out. Your boot. Your boot. Got, Got it. it. Got it. Okay, excellent. What other key changes to the tax plan should should our listeners know about, Rick? Um, well, there's a you know there's a few other ones out there. Uh, you know, probably for the real estate investors, um, there's actually a section 179 available for some mm. of the personal property assets. Sure, sure. Um, you know that that would apply to appliances. You know, maybe the laundry, um, some equipment, some furniture. If you're uh, if you're so, so this is where you, uh, Section 179, you can basically write off the, the cost of this investment all in the same year. You don't have to depreciate it over a series of years. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Um, you know, there is a, there's a shorter depreciation. There's a new 25-year depreciation life, uh, which will be very beneficial. Uh, you know, the one thing that, that is still in play, though, there's still the passive activity loss deduction. So a lot of 
a lot of my clients have you know rental real estate they produce losses and mm -hmm. so those losses get deferred so some of these although you might be able to take additional deductions there's still going to be the passive activity losses. That, that one is always steamy out. that I don't know who in their right mind thinks that managing real estate, a rental property is a passive activity, <laughs> but it's considered oh. passive activity in <laughs> yes. the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. What else? Well, I know Those you were talking the... earlier about uh, gift rule changes. Oh, right, right, right. So um, mom and dad want to gift their kids some money for the down payment to well, purchase a home? Is and that's that what actually, you're talking about? Well, yeah, because that's happening a lot in the Seattle it area is. right yes. now. Because a lot of people aren't able to save fast enough based on the appreciation rates that are going around That's right. Here. We're seeing some herkin huge gift amounts, too. Yeah, so. exactly. That's a technical term there, folks. <laughs> yeah. Herkin huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, you're right. We have seen some extreme... Uh, we had one client, it was four hundred thousand dollars right. it was huge mm -hmm. so you know what what's the deal with that uh so yeah they uh the federal so the federal uh gift in the state laws changed mm -hmm. a little bit and they basically doubled overnight um so you know federal for somebody who's single now it's a little bit over 11 million dollars um somebody who's married you know you got 22 million there um now the one thing is is that you know if we were to go back to uh I think 99, 2000, the limit was 1 million at the federal level. Mm -hmm. And the state was coupled with the feds at that 1 million. Um, when the feds went up to this 5 million, the state said, okay, we're decoupling. We're no longer right. going to go along with that same, the same path that you are. We're going to limit it at 2 million. And right. It's been adjusted. So it's a little for inflation. It's a little bit over 2 million now. Um, at, in Washington State. In Washington State specifically, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so let's clarify that. So mom and dad give a gift to the kid for $2 million, let's say. I, dad, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's but, you, Larry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's laughing right now. He's, he'll tell me uh, whatever there was, it's been spent, you know, move on. But uh, anyway, so, so let's say I they give it to this. Lance. Yeah, we're, we're talking about it's the donor, not the, not the recipient that would potentially have a, a, a tax, gift tax to pay, correct? Yes, the recipient has no limit on the amount of gifts that they can receive. Right, so, so that's why open. everybody. Oh, yep. good gosh, yep. yes. Okay. Bring it on. Now. I, I have a lot of customers that are confused, thinking that their limit is fourteen thousand dollars. Well, there's so there's a that's there's an annual exclusion, and so in 2017, uh, a couple years prior, there was fourteen thousand dollars that you can receive as a gift, and the donor does not have to file any sort of a return to report that. Okay. And so ah, when, you, when okay. you're talking mom and dad, you know now it's twenty eight thousand. Now if you're giving it to if mom and dad are giving to their son and his wife. Now it's 56, we're up to fifty-six thousand. Okay, two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. That pushed up to fifteen thousand. So okay, so now we're 15, so not a 30. huge bump, but a little bit. Exactly. So okay. so a parent, a, a relative, let's say a close relative, can give more than the fifteen thousand per person, and it's just if they go if they're under the fifteen thousand per person, they don't have to file anything on their tax return. If they go over that amount, then they're going to file notice. There's a form. The, yeah, they'll have to file a, a gift tax return, and basically that gift tax return uh, is reporting this this taxable gift. But you get this you get this lifetime exclusion. exclusion. So there's right. still not going to be taxes paid on it. They just have to report it. It has to right. be reported, and it's going to reduce your lifetime exclusion. Got it. Okay, so. and so just out of curiosity, so if someone does end up doing that, 
are they tracking it at the IRS over time? That like, let's say somebody did do okay, like the one customer he got four hundred thousand dollars, and if he was to receive like another hundred next year or something, like is the IRS tracking it, or is that up to the individual to make sure they're tracking it in their records to know whether or not they ever hit that threshold? Well, the the individual files the gift tax return, and on mm-hmm. on each gift tax return, you will state how much of your um, okay. So the individual is doing it. Okay, he, they've got, got to it. keep track of it. The IRS has records where right. they can always go okay. back. So if you have yeah. the same CPA for a long time, that'll be an easy thing. But if you start swapping people out, you need to make sure that they're looking at your past records. You need to make sure that yeah, okay. your gift tax returns goes to your to your new CPA, so right. okay. they can see the history there. Yes. Excellent. Wow, great information, Rick. Uh, again, mm-hmm. um, it's Rick Mangan from Mangan Wealth Management. We're really, really glad that you're on the show today. And can super, I just throw? Yeah. I'm going to just throw it out as a, like a PSA. So I'm part of that Tom Ferry Coaching Group, and I will mm-hmm. tell you, uh, I love having you on, Rick, because I consider you a very professional CPA and doing the wealth management. But there's a lot of people out there who, uh, for whatever reason, get free services from you know, like Uncle Ron or Aunt Mary or something like that. And this coaching group I'm in is they're like, if, if you're getting your taxes done in that manner, stop, go out and find a professional because that folk, that person, you're getting what you pay for probably. So it's good to have you on here. We appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much, Rick Mangan. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. And thank you all for listening uh, for another episode of Open House with Team Reba. Hope you found this informative today. Listen to us every Tuesday at 3 o'clock on 1300 KKOL. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at re slash Max Metro Eastside on Facebook or email info at teamreba.com. Join us again next Tuesday at 3 for more Open House with Team Reba here on Business Radio 1300 KKOL. Program sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Business.